0: Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I'm
1: joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Aschers. I'm I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I am very excited to welcome you, precious Arrowhead, to the worst episode of the Arrow Video Podcast (laughs) yet. I know there's some fierce competition for that accolade. There's some stuff in the back catalogue that I'm not particularly proud of, but this one... Oh boy, this one is super bad. It is, it's absolutely awful. In fact, maybe, maybe stop listening. I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Should they carry on?
0: <laughs> I mean, look, they've started now. Maybe it
1: all comes together in the last five minutes. That happens a lot. Very, very, very <laughs> unlikely. I take the blame for the atrocity of this episode because I'm the one that chose Deadly Games because I thought, I love slasher films, got a cool cover. I'm always interested in when Arrow digs deep to the bottom of the bargain bin to That's put something... That's how they get you, Sam. I know, exactly. <laughs> it's that video yeah. cover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because that video cover is, is something of a trick because this isn't a slasher film at all. It's, it's barely a thriller. It's essentially... Barely a film. <laughs> a, yeah, it's essentially a romantic <laughs> drama with some low-key killings. So yeah, as you say, barely a film. Dan, take us through the plot of Deadly Games. Sam uh, said wearily.
0: So this is the uh, 1982 Deadly Games by Scott Mansfield, not the 1989 Christmas horror. Deadly Games concerns itself with a young woman who I couldn't ever really work out if she came back to town because her sister was killed mm. or If she was coming anyway. A lot isn't made very clear. But anyway, after some nighttime biscuit eating, a young woman is killed. Her sister comes to town, starts dating the sheriff. Sort of loses interest in the death of her sister. And doesn't really investigate anything. (laughs) And that's it. That's kind of it. Just bumbles about. Some people get killed. A bit. There is one quite good kill in it. Like, quite imaginative. Yeah. They're sort of very loosely tied to a board game that the killer and then also... other characters play which again is, is it... never mentioned by name or explained yeah, it, yeah is it is it
1: is it connected
0: yeah. to the board game they they try there's that whole bit where they're like oh uh the mummy always strangles people with one hand but you couldn't do that you wouldn't be strong enough mm-hmm. and then the killer tries to strangle someone with one hand and can't do it and goes to two hands but they've run out of time by then they have to run away and that's that's why that one
1: person survives I think that's more based on that conversation than the board game itself because there are no other links to the board game and the murders.
0: No, there's a creature from the Black Lagoon in, oh. just before the swimming pool kill. Okay. And then he sits on the edge of the swimming pool and watches the woman. Like, sh- So this is the one like good imaginative kill in the film, yeah. dear listener. A woman is swimming. I'd be very generous when I say it's spoilers, good. Spoilers, by the <laughs> way. Spoilers. Oh, I know, yeah, yeah. I know We're we gonna, normally
1: we... don't do spoilers. And actually, it's really bad form to spoil a film just because you personally don't like it that is actually something that i hate it when people do and so we're not really doing that all we're doing no. is if we don't talk about these elements we've got absolutely nothing to, to talk about yeah, and, because... and, and we're not going to talk about the final reveal no exactly insofar as there sort of sort of is one and we're really but, holding but, and... back on that because the final shot is absolutely insane and we both want yeah, to like, talk uh, about that but we're not yeah going yeah to. that,
0: that yeah like it it doesn't put itself together in the last five minutes but it, <laughs> it it makes a sterling effort <laughs> yeah it sure does so yeah I'll, I'll talk obliquely about the kills i won't say who and what and yeah, so on but yeah, yeah. but but someone's swimming in a pool and then the killer is in the pool with them they grab them by the ankle they wrap an unraveled bit of wire around their ankle and then tie that bit of wire to a drain point at the bottom of the pool and so that person now can't escape so they're they're stuck underwater, which is pretty terrifying. And then the balaclavaed killer sits on the edge of the pool and watches this person drown. And they can only get as high as having one hand kind of come out of the water when they're trying to reach for air so that they don't drown, which, you know, visually feels like a reference to the creature of the Black Lagoon. Yeah, Incidentally, yeah. The, the board game, the hokey homemade board game, is, again, only very lightly based around the old Universal movie Monsters. It sort of looks like a cross between... You know when, like, the Beano would have a, a pull-out board game that they, yeah. the artist had spent precisely eight minutes on? Yeah, yeah. Like, in the centre pages. It looks like one of those board games.
1: Yeah, I, I'm really actually starting to find a new appreciation for this movie. Um, with you pointing <laughs> that out. I, can, I can't believe that I'm dumber than this film, that I didn't actually get that, but... In my defence, I was watching this with Shay, and we were talking to each other quite a lot while it was going on, mostly about the film. But yeah, so maybe I wasn't paying as much attention to it as I should have been, which makes me makes me a terrible critic and a terrible podcaster because I should have been sat there in solemn silence with, you know, every light in the street shut off, let alone in, in the house. So that I could give Deadly Games my full and patient attention, but it's quite boring and shit. So I found that a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> this is the first film
0: we've done where we both thought it was terrible.
1: Yeah, I know. It's that. I mean, that that's worth listening to in its own. I, I guess the other thing, actually, there is there is one good thing in this film, right? I, I'd ask you to guess what it is, but you would probably guess the swimming pool death, and I don't think you'd actually. I mean, you know, there's, you know me quite one... well.
0: There's one shot that I really, I was quite impressed by. Oh, yeah. And then there's a sort of weird attempt to recreate that shot,
1: which is
0: terrible, but in a kind
1: of fascinating way. Shay and I were um, sort of wrenched from our conversation when one nice shot appeared on the screen and we both went, and then carried on talking.
0: (laughs) Well, so, because it's not a spoiler, I think the nice shot you're referring to is that slow push in on the mirrored sunglasses during the football game.
1: Oh, it wasn't actually, but yes, I know Yes.
0: One of the best shots in mirrored glasses, like, so you're seeing what the person's looking at, that I've seen done practically, because there's no, like, digital effects or anything. It's a really competent bit of filmmaking, Mm. and that makes it even more baffling when later someone is watching something without sunglasses on and they want to show what they're looking at. So they sort of freeze the picture and then play a tiny little video of what they're watching at, like crudely superimposed over their eye.
1: Yeah, Shay said that that moment looked like it was edited on Microsoft Paint and I can't disagree. (laughs) Um yeah 100% shoddy amateurish work but that does tie to my my one good bit actually that you will never guess i'll give you i'll give you a chance okay what element of this film did i jump out of my seat and get excited about you know me very well and you'll kick yourself when you inevitably yeah, do to get I'm it i'm
0: really struggling to think of anything else that merits acknowledgement
1: <laughs> well well my friend It is the moment where someone orders a burger plate with a side order of spaghetti.
0: (laughs) Yes, okay, yep, fair. There are some pretty baffling uh, catering choices throughout the film.
1: I actually think that... So just to explain to the Arrowheads, I effin' love spaghetti and I love burgers, but I've never thought to combine them in one dish. And I got very excited that this was actually a thing in America or Canada or wherever hell this is set. But Shay did assure me that if I tried to order it the next time we were at McDonald's, she would leave me. And I'm skating on thin ice at the moment. So the spaghetti side dream is over. But I think that that dish may have been sending us a very subtle message about the influences of the film because i think whoever made this crap was giallo crazy I mean, um, yeah that tracks this movie is 100 percent a burger with a side order of spaghetti it's very american but there is so much italian influence so many argento shots like right from the opening credits,
0: right from the beginning, the black gloves playing the board game there feels you go. like the opening. To... Well, except the thing is, the the Argento film that really reminded me of is the beginning of Opera, which hadn't been made yet.
1: Well, maybe he ripped off Deadly Games. You uh, heard yeah, it here I mean, first. You know. um, <laughs> but yeah, that shot where he's being a voyeur and and you see the little video reflected in the eye. I do think that's an attempt to do something very Argento-esque. There were elements of this that reminded both me and Shay of Four Flies and Grey Velvet. There's a little bit of deep red in there. And it's trying something. But yeah, it feels more like Robert Altman's Halloween. But after drinking red wine spiked with sleeping pills. (laughs) It is boring. It is full of not just characters you don't like but characters that are actively annoying. The main woman is, is very, very hard to watch. She was insufferable. It felt that whole, her whole performance <laughs> was improvised.
0: I, d- I, did, I did slightly wonder how much of it was written and yeah. how much of it was like, yeah, you know what's going on, just ad lib it. And then these like, first year improv grads had to like, come up
1: with a, with a thriller. There were elements to it that were clearly thought out, you know, like the board game. There's no cause and effect here outside of the board game. And I didn't even realise that was cause and effect, so maybe there is. Did you spot any other like threads, you know, foreshadowing and payoffs and all that kind of stuff in this movie?
0: No, without without talking about the little the killer's monologue at the end. Yeah, Yeah. Goes some way to explain things. Not that anything is a mystery to us by that point. We've we've seen a murder you know, we've seen the murderer put on their garb by that scene. And there's something that modern savvy audiences probably see coming from quite a way off just because it's been done so famously now after this film mm-hmm. that this does that is you know noteworthy i guess although i wouldn't go so far as to say interesting but the the thing is that everyone in the film just seems so incredibly disinterested
1: exactly like
0: she doesn't seem to care about the death of her sister like she sort of like grumbles about it a little bit but then it largely gets forgotten their friends keep on dying and no one seems to care if this had a dreamier atmosphere I think it could have been quite a good treatise on like bored American youth. Also, incidentally, if all the characters weren't like 40, I genuinely couldn't work out if they were playing their age. I mean, I guess the cop is sort of playing his age because he's a cop. But like for a long time I thought are these just old pe- like older actors playing teenagers as you got so often in indie films of this era. But then there were some like weird, like almost swinging scenes that felt a bit more like, oh, they are meant to be early middle-aged suburbanites.
1: I do think actually that if this film had been in Italian or Spanish, you would have bloody loved it. I think it's the fact <laughs> that it's American. It's not. It's not gory enough. Yeah, that's true.
0: If it had, had some, if it had, if it had been in Italian and had some good special effects, then I probably would have been championing it right now.
1: <laughs> exactly. There is a, an interesting subtext that, again, I didn't really pick up on uh on the first watch but the the very excellent commentary by the hysteria continues did give me a new appreciation of a lot of stuff that they were trying to do here i'll still never watch it again but it is worth listening to the commentary from the hysteria continues and both of those both the movie and the commentary um are on arrow right now so on the arrow streaming on the player yeah Yeah, So so you can dip your toe you can dip your toe but you know don't tell them that we sent you um, i'm just
0: I'm, I'm just looking through my notes and i've written beach fucking i cannot tell these boring looking white people apart <laughs> Come to the people in the bar are these the same people i really
1: don't know yeah i mean looking at my notes they kind of you know, gibberish too. Um, I did like the fact that someone said heat a Rover when they wanted uh, a hot dog to be prepared. So I'll probably do that. the next time I want a a hot dog, heat a Rover, that's, that's good. And Shay, actually Shay should probably be doing this podcast rather than me. And if I do ever die, um, possibly as a result of watching a in film like this. circumstances. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then, you know, please, Shay can replace me. But she pointed out that one character's jacket looks like dinner rolls, to which I said, nice buns. And that is why I'm on thin ice at the moment. But she also said... <laughs> um... <laughs> no, no puns in
0: this house, Asher." So yeah, I've exactly. told you enough
1: times. She also said, Dan, I can hear Dan groaning from across the ocean. I've never met the guy, but he's pulling his eyeballs out right now, and I think that's probably a fair assessment of uh, of your reaction to this film. Yeah, it's pretty pretty bang on. Did you dig into any of the other extras on this disc?
0: I, I watched it on Arrow Player, so just oh no, there was an interview with uh, with some of the cast that I checked out as well.
1: How was that? Did they have any um, explanations or excuses? Like, there was some interesting
0: stuff about like the need to be seen in the era, and, like, why agents would put people up for stuff like this, which was some interesting insight. And, yeah, like, I remember... I can't remember if I recommended it on the podcast or not, but I finally got around to watching Best Worst Movie a, a while back. Oh, nice. Which I really enjoyed. For listeners who haven't haven't seen it, don't know about it, it's a, document, it's a retrospective documentary about the making of Troll 2. And in that, there's a lot of actors who, you know, a lot of people who, some of whom have stayed being actors, some of whom have gone off doing other things, most of whom are quite ashamed of Troll 2 and are somewhat flabbergasted by this sort of new cult success that it starts getting and i feel that there was some element of that in the interviews for this. like why are we talking about this what are you do you have anything else to do
1: for me just to kind of start to wrap it up a bit i guess it feels more like a early vinegar syndrome title than an arrow release like this felt so regional cinema yeah exactly it felt so so vinegar syndrome and that's not a diss to vinegar syndrome but it's just more their kind of brand i guess to put out this stuff that they watched in video stores and so yeah and i'm certainly not dissing arrow for putting it out and look if there's anyone out there listening to this and like tearing off their headphones because this is one of their favorite movies of all time more power to you i'm not criticizing you anyone that loves movies i love and you know i did have fun watching this with shay like It was a bit of a slog at certain points, but there's lots of things that you can make jokes about. And maybe that's a good reason to put out something like this. But yeah, I would advise watching it on the streaming service rather than shelling out for Blu-ray. Sorry, Arrow. (laughs) But yeah, help, Dan, help. Recommend that people buy this on Blu-ray. Yeah, I mean,
0: maybe you need to put down a hot drink and you've got a new table. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh dear! All right. Well, on on that on that note, we're gonna we are gonna move on. But yeah, Deadly Games. I I cannot recommend it. Though it does have an actor in it called Dick Butkus. Um, you know that's always yeah. Always he, good. he was
0: a he was an American football player, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, because he he ter- like I didn't recognize him. Like I don't know about American football, and I looked him up because he's got a funny name. <laughs> yes, I recognized <laughs> him from uh,
1: Gremlins 2. That's the only place that I yes, know him in which from. he plays himself. Yeah,
0: he plays Dick Butkus. So. I found I saw his credit listing before I realized he was something of a celebrity prior to his acting career, and I was like, "Why is this guy just playing people called Dick Butkus?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I forgot that like sometimes celebrities play themselves, and so I was trying to imagine because he's in <laughs> he's in *Gremlins* too. What else is he in? He's in some mad old stuff. Yeah. And and I was like, is this a shared universe? What's yes, going on?
1: The cinematic universe <laughs> of Dick That The other alternative, obviously, <laughs> is that actors select a very low-key, subtle name like Alan Smithy when they don't want to take credit for a movie. And what they've chosen is Dick Butkus. But no. It is his name and um, yeah, g- good on your dick if you're listening. All right. I, t- I mean, I did warn you, Arrowhead, this was going to be a terrible episode and I have fulfilled my promise so far. Recommendations based on the film. Dan, what have you got?
0: Well, I, I put three, because I got three oh. down because I was struggling to recommend anything that's like this because I wouldn't recommend anything like this. Yeah. And then, so one of them was opera, but I've already mentioned opera. So I'm going to go uh, with Michele Suave's Stage Fright. Quite a lot of Deadly Games takes place in a movie theatre, which looks like a converted theatre. And Stage Right, aka Deliria, aka Aquarius, aka Bloody Bird from nineteen eighty-seven, is a movie about an owl headed killer offing teens in a in a movie theatre or in a theatre. And it's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great recommendation. I will pull out my movie theatre recommendation for you. It is popcorn. Um, yeah <laughs> is that another one of yours dan it's my it's my it's my other one yeah all right <laughs> well fine. forget forget it because i've got two other options so you talk about popcorn i have killer's delight which is a proto slasher that kind of mixes drama with many more murders in this movie it has a disturbing and nasty tone and it feels very kind of true crimey and there are some extended death scenes in Killer's Delight that will really kind of stay with you. Excellent movie. It's out on vinegar syndrome and yeah, it is it is much nastier than this film but it's just that mixture of kind of death and drama that kind of made it work for me yeah killer's delight i recommend it what's next from you Dan? nice oh well i know it's what's well, next for, it's from popcorn, you <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's popcorn but i put a question mark after it because i was going to do opera oh <laughs> son of a so i guess both both popcorn and opera yeah yeah but popcorn is one i think you and i have probably talked about it on the podcast before we've both got quite a little love for it and i just stumbled across it on vhs um in the early 90s but it's not it's sort of one of those ones where when you meet someone who's who's seen it they kind of love it it holds a place in their heart but it does also seem to be quite widely forgotten. Yeah, a movie killer like puts on various different disguises to kill teens in a movie theater during a horror marathon, and and it's got this very what's the name of the movie producer who did things like The Tingler and like with all the gags in there. William Castle. William Castle. It's got like there's a lot of the movies have a, that they're watching at this at this uh, marathon yeah. have a very William Castle feel because there's a lot of gags associated with them, including a huge mosquito that swoops down through the audience yeah. at one. point. with deadly effect um (laughs) yeah it's great it's good fun
1: (laughs) yeah there's actually quite a lot we can recommend off the back of this like matinee is kind of a good one and yeah matinee is a good one i i i I had sort of considered
0: that but just because it wasn't as horror yeah i I sort of discarded it but it's
1: a good film and i think another Arrow title as well so yeah fade to black as well i'd recommend but i'm i don't know fade to black oh you'd love fade to black Oh, you would absolutely love it, Dan. That is so up your street. It's ridiculous. That's a recommendation just for you. Um, But I am going to go for for Blowout as my second recommendation, mainly because this feels like the kind of movie John Travolta does the sound for in Blowout. And I'll take any opportunity to recommend that perfect film. It's coming to 4K from Criterion soon. So that's another reason to watch it. And to listen to our episode on it. I think I've recommended it before, even though we've done it on an episode. I just love Blowout so much. Top five movie of all time for me. So, yes, watch Blowout. All right, let's move on to stuff we've watched over the past couple of weeks. Dan, what have you got for us first?
0: Um, I watched a 2008 Jonas Barnes and Mike Manassari picture called Babysitter Wanted. Oh, cool, um, yeah. Which I didn't know about really i think i'd heard the title and sort of ignored it or forgotten about it or whatever and then i was reading an old article by sarah dobbs and she she was extolling its virtues and so while jen was in the states visiting her family over 4th of july tony friend of the podcast came and stayed with us and we watched a bunch of films he sort of helped me look after the dogs while while i was working and jen was away and yeah we watched a lot of movies while he was here and and one of them was babysitter wanted which we did off the back of sarah's recommendation i really enjoyed it it's got a slightly trite opener that would make some people dismiss it as a kind of like torture porn saw knockoff but then it turns into something a little smarter than that and it's got some yeah it's really fun
1: yeah i i love babysitter wanted i think i watched that in 2011 so i watched it after i saw house of the devil and thought oh yeah you know there's it's kind of i can see these two films like making a good double bill. I didn't realise it was 2008, so it actually came out before House of the Devil. So that's very interesting. But yeah, I could I could definitely see those two films matching. That is a great recommendation. I haven't thought about Babysitter Wanted for a long time, but I, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, good fun. All right, well, my first one from the past couple of weeks is actually from this year, and it is not out yet. It's out in the UK on July 22nd. Um, So it's out this week. It's called Kurt Vonnegut, Unstuck in Time. And it is a beautiful tribute to one of my favourite writers, Kurt Vonnegut. Really, really does justice to the man while not shying away from his darkness, which is, you know, very important in these kinds of documentaries. Like, I actually find the flaws. It's important in allowing me to connect with a documentary subject. Otherwise, it just feels like propaganda, whereas there is there there is some dark stuff in here. But you still come away from it admiring and loving the man Um, structurally. It plays similar tricks to some of Vonnegut's books with the director, Robert Wide, who also directed um, episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. He inserts himself kind of into the narrative in a moving way normally not a big fan of documentary makers inserting themselves into the narrative unless you're nick Broomfield. but it does work here like at the start you're like really but then as it moves on you see exactly why he's done what he's done and uh, it works really well so yeah comprehensive and powerful it's worth watching even if you need an introduction to vonnegut's magnificent canon cat's cradle is my favorite of his but slaughterhouse 5 is amazing too and that's kind of the turning point classic in his career but i I definitely recommend cat's cradle if you haven't read it unstuck in time I recommend it Dan are you a Kurt Vonnegut fan
0: I am yeah I haven't read a huge amount mm. uh, obviously slaughterhouse 5 is great and yeah. I, I even quite enjoyed the film even though it's ostensibly a very difficult to adapt movie yeah but yeah he's he's great i've I'd, I'd noticed the documentary and that being announced mm-hmm. uh, and and then summarily forgotten about it so i'm glad you reminded me i will definitely check that out on your recommendation
1: oh it's a great one and if you haven't read cat's cradle dan it's have you read it no no i haven't that is bump that to the top of your reading list i know you're so busy and it's it's hard to find time to read but that is a, re- a, a basically it's religious satire and nice the way it hammers religion it does it in a way that you will absolutely adore so very very funny book very very good all right. What's next from you in terms of movies?
0: I just just wanted to let you know, Sam. I mm. went to add Fade to Black uh, to my list, and I realized I have the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray and haven't taken it out of the packaging. Hey,
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I look so forward to hearing I your thoughts. I can watch that. Yeah, great.
0: So I just recorded a uh, a sort of J horror roundup for Tim Coleman and his Moving Pictures Film Club podcast, and I went back and revisited a load of classic old Japanese horror films, both pre and post the, the sort of the J horror nomenclature. And it's been a very, very many years since I watched Onibaba and it's lost oh, absolutely none of its impact. Yeah. Um, what film? absolutely loved it. Uh, 1964, Kaneto Shindo or Shindo Kaneto. Um, yeah, if, if viewers out there, I think there's a Eureka blue in this country and a criterion in the States and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, Black and white, uh, 1960s, so still under the, you know, cultural whiplash of the Second World War and the American um, occupation of Japan. It's a period film about uh, two women, a... uh a daughter-in-law and mother-in-law living together on the outskirts of a big field during a time of civil unrest and sort of infighting amongst uh, Japanese government waiting patiently for the return of the son husband respectively and they they are then met by a, a friend of the sun who who reports that he's dead i don't really want to say any more about it it's got mm. some st- striking imagery some great sort of like deep dialogue and you know deep other things <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah and it, and it's it's fantastic yeah
1: and it, i eureka has put that one out you're right and they also put out um claydon is that how you say it? oh yeah Kaidan's incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. um and yeah, if if you want to double bill Onibaba with something, double bill it with that. That's from 1964, but easily one of the most influential Japanese horror movies ever made. Oh um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And it's uh, Masaki Kobayashi, uh, director yeah. of
1: Human Condition and yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, Harakiri yeah. and yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, also get those. Yeah. Uh, this is actually tur- it's th- turning the corner down. This is turning into uh, a rather excellent episode of the Arrow Video podcast, if I may say. It's, uh, it's all about the recommendations, <laughs> eh? Well, next from me, I've been kind of on a paranoid thriller trip recently, and I gave the Parallax View a first-time watch as it's leaving the criterion channel this month so it's one of those classics that's always been on my list i've never gotten around to it and i'm so glad i did it is a perfect movie absolutely beautifully shot clearly influenced by the manchurian candidate it follows warren Beatty as he becomes aware of a complex plot to assassinate significant people in american politics as well as any kind of potential witnesses but the way these people are assassinated is very specific and unusual yeah it is magnificent very gripping with a kind of perfect circular narrative very very smart very intelligent I loved The Parallax View and I very much recommend it. Dan, you've definitely seen this one. How do you feel about this film?
0: Yeah, I love this. I think Jen and I watched this at Sean Hogan's flat about 10 years ago. Uh, oh, it was oh, the nice. first time watch watched for us then. And it was one of those ones where you tell someone you haven't seen something and they're like, right, okay, we're watching that now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. A really good, taught, well-structured thriller. Never goes off the boil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and as you said, really beautifully shot as well.
1: Oh, so gorgeous. So yeah, if there's anyone listening to this who hasn't bumped it up on there, I, I still need to see this movie list, knock it to the top because I was blown away by the photography, by the cinematography. Like I said, and like you agree, it's beautifully shot, but to the level it's composed and lit, I just was not expecting that from this movie. So um, anyway, big recommendation. Dan, what is next from you, please? Nothing, that's it, we've done it thank god partial explanation (laughs) partial (laughs) explanation (laughs) uh precious arrowhead uh i I am in america it is very hot here dan is in london it is very hot there we are both trying our hardest to deliver um fresh-faced entertainment to you but we are both dripping with sweat and stress so we've done our best right yeah 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 and that's all that anyone can ask of us exactly (laughs) So, recommendations based on social media. Dan, how can people follow you? Uh, I recommend people
0: follow me at 13fingerfx. Wait, uh, whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. I'm going to keep all of that in, but I'm also going to keep in this, which is... Extra features, extra features, extra features. Extra features? We forgot to do extra features. Nothing. Nothing? Yeah, no. We, okay. we, we forgot to do extra features. Back to the social media. <laughs> we so, promised to be more professional FX, is it?
0: next time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, 13 finger effects. And that's where you'll get all your special effects and, and, and dogs and, and just lovely things, right? Yeah, and grumbling about our government... <laughs> Oh come on! You must be very happy because the government yes, has fallen. It,
0: it, I'm happy. Well, oh my god! Imagine if they actually had. Imagine <laughs> like if if we had a lovely little anarchy. Yeah, I, I feel like I've escaped a wolf and run into a uh, pack of wolves.
1: Yeah, yeah, but these are slightly stupider wolves, so easier to escape. Mm,
0: some some of them are, some of them aren't. I think mm. there's there's different different like it's like top Trumps it's like top trumps they've all got areas in which they excel at being the worst
1: well the golden rule of um conservative prime ministers and i thought boris johnson might test this but uh, maybe not no matter how bad the current prime minister is the next one is always worse or more incompetent yeah yeah, yeah.
0: that's it's the only it's the only time the slippery slope argument actually makes
1: any sense is when talking about
0: <laughs> right wing politics. Yeah.
1: They always find unique ways of being just ghastly. Yeah, yeah. A nice bit of politics, it's been a while. You can follow me, Sam Ashurst, at Twitter. You can follow me, <laughs> Sam Ashurst, on Twitter. Sam Ashurst at is how you do that, but just reverse that. So put at at the front. <laughs> um <laughs> and then instagram i'm sam asher 23 and i might be putting some comic book recommendations up there soon because uh that's an area of my life that people might be interested in and i'm reading a lot of cool stuff at the moment so um nice. yeah follow me for some comic book recommendations that will appeal to fans of kind of cult cinema um i think that's going to be my angle on instagram for a bit who knows that's it Thank God. Thank you so much for listening. We promise to be more professional, <laughs> next, time. Be
0: more professional next time.
1: <laughs> Though it, I think we're doing a double record, so the chances of that are pretty slim. But you will be uh, listening to us talk about well, what have you done to Solange uh, next next Yeah, at Fortnite.
0: least at least at least one of us
1: likes the next film, so Oh, but which Does is that... it which is it? Find which out next it, time.
0: Which is it? Is it Dan who chose it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> or Bye-bye. is it Sam? Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>